The RCMP has denied reports of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau being investigated for obstruction of justice in the SNC-Lavalin scandal. PPC leader Maxime Bernier was defeated in Portage Liscar. The University of Oxford's annual report on global media has found that only 40% of Canadians trust the legacy media. Over 100,000 households in British Columbia are living on the verge of homelessness. Hello Canada, it's Tuesday, June 20th, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Rachel Emanuel. And I'm Lindsay Shepard. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. The RCMP have denied they are reportedly looking into possible obstruction of justice by Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and his staff in relation to the SNC-Lavalin case. This comes years after Trudeau was found to have violated federal ethics law by attempting to influence then-Justice Minister Jody Wilson-Raybould to drop criminal charges against the Montreal-based company. According to a report by the National Post, the RCMP denied an access to information request by Duff Conacher of Democracy Watch, saying that the records were inquiring about something, quote, currently under investigation. Yesterday evening, the RCMP issued a statement in response to numerous media reports denying that there was such an investigation. The RCMP tweeted, quote, In response to numerous media reports, the RCMP can confirm it is not investigating allegations of political interference in the trial of SNC-Lavalin. Conacher had requested records concerning any decisions made by the RCMP regarding the examination and prosecution of anyone involved in the SNC-Lavalin affair. The SNC-Lavalin controversy erupted in 2019 when the Globe and Mail revealed that Trudeau and his staff had pressured Jody Wilson-Raybould to offer SNC-Lavalin a deferred prosecution agreement, which would let the company skirt criminal proceedings and continue to bid on federal contracts. So, Lindsay, this is obviously a huge story that blew up yesterday, with most of us left scratching our heads wondering what happened. It seems that there's two schools of thought here. One, that the RCMP was at some point when this request was first sent in, when Democracy Watch sent in this request, they were investigating the Prime Minister, and that investigation has now closed, or they are covering up for the Prime Minister. That's one school of thought that I'm hearing And the second is that sometimes when someone sends in a access to information request, a department will say, sorry, we can't give you information on that because it's currently under investigation. It's kind of a catch-all way to avoid releasing information that the department simply doesn't want to give. So some are saying maybe a low-level staffer responded with that catch-all phrase, not realizing the controversy and the trouble it would cause Although I have a couple friends that work in federal departments in communications, and I know that when they come up with a response for a media company, and I'm assuming it's probably the same for ATIP requests, those responses go through quite a number of people before they're released. So what do you think happened here? Um, I would say it's likely to be the first school of thought because I did read a statement by the RCMP that they determined there was insufficient evidence to substantiate a criminal offense and the file was concluded. So it appears there was some sort of investigation, but as usual uh, with these things, Trudeau gets away with it. The other thing with ethics law is it's sort of vague terminology. There's not actually a way to convict somebody of breaking ethics law. It's not like it would fall under criminal charges. 
it's just something that's typically regarded as something you shouldn't do. And I think at a different time in politics, people might have had to resign when they were found guilty of breaking ethics law, but it does seem to be tossed around quite commonly in politics these days. Yesterday evening's by-election results show a conservative victory in the Manitoba riding of Portage Liscar. Conservative candidate Brandon Leslie will be the next MP to represent Portage Liscar after defeating People's Party of Canada, PPC, leader Maxime Bernier. The results of the by-election show that Leslie snagged the Manitoba riding with 63.5% of the vote, while Bernier only managed to gain 17.9%. In the 2021 federal election, the PPC was able to receive 21.6% of the vote, one of its best results since the party was formed in 2018. Portage Liscar was the former seat of interim conservative leader Candace Bergen, who stepped down from her role in 2023 after current conservative leader Pierre Polyev was elected to lead the party. Bernier and the Conservatives spent the lead-up to the ballot trying to wrestle support from Conservative-leaning voters on issues like support for gender ideology and ties with the World Economic Forum. Bernier and the Conservatives spent the lead-up to the ballot trying to wrestle support from Conservative-leaning voters on issues like gender ideology and ties with the World Economic Forum. Bernier took to Twitter to thank voters for their support, saying, quote, Thank you to my team here in Portage Liscar and to all those across the country who supported our candidates in this by-election. Our ideas are better known and better understood. When the general election comes, we will be even better prepared. It takes time to convince Canadians that we need a drastic change, of course, to reverse years of bad liberal policies and weak conservative opposition. Rachel, what's your takeaway from this by-election result? Were you expecting Bernier to do better? Uh, did you predict that it would be such a strong conservative win? What's your take here? I'm not at all surprised by the results of the by-election. This is exactly what I expected. The PPC saw a flood of support during the COVID-19 pandemic when we didn't really have a real opposition under Aaron O'Toole. The COVID pandemic is now finished and we've seen sort of a shift under Pierre Polyev of the direction the party is willing to go. Still not as conservative on a lot of issues as people li would like to see such as gender ideology, for example. But I just don't sense that support for the PPC anymore. And when we look at a candidate like Brendan Leslie, he is a social conservative and he did speak out against gender ideology and he is pro-life and he made that clear at a bunch of rallies while he was campaigning. So it was very difficult for Maxime Bernier to position himself against a candidate like that, especially because Brendan Leslie, you know, was from the area where Maxime Bernier was sort of a parachute candidate. And that happens all the time. There's not necessarily anything wrong with it, but I think voters typically like to vote for someone from the region if they can. And there were also three other by-elections that took place yesterday, Rachel. Did any interesting results come out of that? Yeah, it was pretty much what we expected with the Liberals winning two safe seats, including one in Winnipeg. You know, the other one was a Conservative safe seat that was in southwestern Ontario, a rural riding of Oxford. The Conservatives did pull off a win, but it was much closer than it needed to be, with the Liberal candidate receiving about 36% of the vote and the Conservative candidate Arpin Khanna receiving over 42% of the vote. So pretty tight there in what was considered once one of the most Conservative safe seats in the province. 
We know that that election resulted because the people in the area were just so unhappy with the conservative nomination process. First, there was a pro-life candidate, Garrett Van Dorlin, who was actually disqualified from running. And it was very unclear as to why he was disqualified. So his supporters were very unhappy with that. And then we know that the outgoing candidate, the former CPCer who had held the seat for years, also said that the nomination process was not fair. His daughter was running, so it wasn't like he didn't have a horse in the race. Uh, his daughter obviously did not win the nomination, but there was just so much drama leading up into this, and it was a really good opportunity for the Liberals to kind of make a wedge issue out of it and position themselves there. And obviously they did that quite successfully with them with the vote being far closer than it should have been. According to the Digital News Report 2023, published in partnership with Reuters Institute, one of the most pressing concerns for the Canadian media landscape is the more central role taken by the federal government in regulating the news media. The study surveyed trust and legacy media outlets, including CBC, Global News, CTV News, CP24, Toronto Star, and The Globe and Mail, and found that overall trust in the news has declined 15% since 2016. In 2023, Canadians reported an all-time low trust level of 40%. Additionally, trust in English-speaking Canada was much lower, 37%, than in French Canada, 49%. The report also found that attitudes towards publicly funded outlets like the CBC are more negative. Social media continues to be the top choice for Canadians when it comes to accessing news, with 69% saying they stay up-to-date using online sources. Another 49% said they rely on TV to get their news, and only 14% continue to rely on print media. The report authors also wrote that, quote, faced with rising costs and falling income, Canadian news media are restructuring and experimenting with new content and business models. The state's role is becoming more central, from proposals to force Google, Facebook, and others to compensate publishers to the future of the national broadcaster. Lindsay, I have to say that we've seen trust in mainstream media outlets has declined 15% since 2016. I'm actually surprised that that number isn't higher based on my experiences. And just when we've seen the drop in usage of these outlets and people just being totally unwilling to pay for them. What's your take? I think the pandemic must have been a turning point for a lot of people. I know it was for me because I would tune in to the press conferences with the provincial health officer, which in BC is Dr. Bonnie Henry, and I would listen to the journalists asking questions after these, you know, after more lockdowns would be announced or, or more masks in more places, uh, vaccine mandates, and then you would hear these journalists just egging on for more restrictions, and they would they would say, you know, oh, we, why don't, why haven't you made more masks mandatory in schools? Why haven't you made vaccine mandates for schools? You know, they would, they would be asking for more ways to be, um, I don't know what the word would be, oppressed in society, like for, for more people to lose their rights. That's what they were asking for. Um, and it was really shocking to hear. So I, it must have been the pandemic. I mean, then you look at the coverage from the pandemic and the mainstream media, and it was just so dreadful. I know that was a turning point for me. Yeah, you raise a really good point. Every time I think about basically the mainstream media's response during the COVID-19 pandemic, it was essentially one of govern me harder, please. And that is exactly true. I think about it all the time. It was really concerning being at those press conferences and hearing those questions asked. And I know for most Canadians for a while thinking, am I really that much of an anomaly in Canadian society? Like, am I the only one thinking that this is absolutely crazy what's going on? 
which is why, of course, the Freedom Convoy was so important to really unite Canadians and to make all of us who admire freedom and believe that the government and believe that we are the government's bosses, not the other way around, to remind us that we're not alone and that we can stand in unity. I would also say that when we look at this report, I mean, it was published in partnership with the Reuters Institute. I suspect that conservative and freedom-minded Canadians were likely not being reached for this report, sort of similar to what we see in a lot of polls, especially when we just recently came out of the Alberta election and the polling was pretty off in some areas. Not all of it, but some pollsters certainly struggled to really catch the sentiment in the province. You know, I suspect that the number is probably higher than 15% since 2016 of Canadians who have lost trust in their legacy media outlets. And I think it's reflective of these are just people that are not answering polls, especially not polls from the Reuter Institute, which would be an institution that a lot of, again, conservative and freedom-minded Canadians simply wouldn't trust along with the rest of the legacy media. That's it for today. And don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. And if you're able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news. Thanks for listening and have a great day.